Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the latest disastrous policy idea to come from President Biden and what that means for the country. I'm Drew Bennett and you're listening to the Drew View. Alrighty, folks, thank you guys for tuning back in for another episode of The Drew View. So today, we got to start off with a new segment. This is a new segment that I am starting today and will hopefully, well, I I guess hopefully it will only run about two more years, but God only knows it could be six more years and I hope and pray it doesn't. But this segment is going to be called Biden's World. So. When I was a kid, I used to watch the show Elmo, and there would be a little jingle, and it would go, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, Elmo's world. But we're changing it up. This segment is going to be called, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, Biden's world. And if you're thinking, whoa, that's a childish name for a segment, that's because the policies that come out of this guy's mouth are something that you would hear from a toddler. But uh, we're going to be going through, and in this segment, we're kind of just going to be looking at something that Biden proposed, something he said, something he did, and just look at it and uh, explain how it only makes sense in Biden's world. It doesn't make sense in America. It doesn't make sense, frankly, anywhere on planet Earth, but it makes sense in Biden's world and in his mind. So we're going to be going through and talking about some of his disastrous policies or things that he said or did, and we're just going to be analyzing them and how they only make sense in a world in which you are in a declining mental state. Now we know the poor guy doesn't have his mind together. He is suffering from severe, severe dementia, and it's really just other people pulling the strings. But we're still going to be calling this segment Biden's world because these are the people that are telling him what to do. And these are the people he has surrounded himself with. So welcome to the first segment of do 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 Biden's world. So I actually went back to look if that's actually how it goes. And it's la 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 instead of do 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 do. But for copyright reasons, we're going to go with do 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 Biden's world. So today. It's a normal day. I'm riding to school the day I'm recording this, that is. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm listening to my Christian music jams, you know, and all of a sudden they have their news come on. And I always turn it up for that because I I, I like to hear the news, what uh, is noteworthy locally and statewide and then nationally. But they come on and they say, President Biden has unveiled a plan that is going to increase loan fees on mortgages charged to those with excellent credit scores and decrease those for those with low to mid credit scores. Now, I was like, hold on, hold on, wait, time out. They mixed that up. Like they, they, switch that up on the radio. They got those two confused. I'm like, there's no way that, I mean, I know Biden's not all there, but I know that he can at least have enough common sense to say, no, that's not going to work. 
And then I look it up. I get to school and I'm like, okay, I hold on. Is this actually the case? And here's the quote. According to the Tax Policy Center's Urban Institute, out of 81 types of borrowers classified by down payments and credit scores, the FHFA increased the fees of 23 groups, mainly those with excellent credit scores by as much as 75 basis points and slashed the fees of 45 groups, largely borrowers with fair credit scores and lower down payments by as much as 200 basis points. And I'm just taken aback. I mean, just completely, completely confused, frustrated. I I don't even know what goes through somebody's mind. In what world would this idea work? In what world? See how I did that? See that segment name? Biden's world? Oh, perfect. It's only in Biden's world. He's the only person. I was going to say the only rational person, but he's not rational. He's the only human being. I can't even say that. There are so many deranged leftists out there. I don't know how to say this. Because God only knows people are out there thinking, oh, yeah, this is a great policy. Oh, man, Biden, we love you. Same thing with the student debt forgiveness bullcrap. But he is one of the only people out there in politics that would either accept or promote this complete and utter nonsense. And I mean, I know he's in a declining mental state, but I mean... If the guy's so toast that he thinks that this is going to work, oh my gosh, it's worse than we think. Guys, it is worse than we think. But, you know, as much as I joke around and as much as I kid and I say, haha, Biden's an idiot because he's promoting this, in all seriousness, it's scary. The last time we saw something like this, the last time that we saw plans to try and make it easier for those with bad credit, or low income to qualify for mortgages, it led up to the 2008 financial crisis because the government tried to relax mortgage standards to try and promote home ownership, and, well, that led to a boom in subprime mortgage lending. We talked a little bit about this on one of my first episodes of the podcast where I was like, hey, uh, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is similar to 2008 when we were seeing the banks collapse, and now we're seeing this. We're seeing somebody who is overseeing a disastrous economy right now. It's not like we have this booming economy and it's like, you know what? Let's try something new. No, now's not the time, dummy. Now's the time to be doing whatever you can to try and keep things afloat, not trying to make all these risky moves and say, well, I might uh, I might make myself look like a genius, but More likely than not, I'm going to make myself look like a complete fool when this economy goes down a burning. Like, it is disastrous what Biden and the Democrats are trying to do. I don't understand the rationale behind it. I really don't. If we had a booming economy and you wanted to try this, whatever. It still wouldn't work. This is socialism. Like, I mean, this is the most clear example of socialism I can think of. Is it's like, well, we're we're gonna punish the the people who worked hard and have good credit, and we're gonna let the people who uh, you know made bad decisions or just have bad credit or low income, and we're gonna let them have access to mortgages. Which I understand 
the want for more home ownership or whatever to help out these people. But at the same time, you can't risk throwing our country's economy down the tubes. It's already pretty much in the tubes. We don't need to go into another recession or depression. That's not what we need. We need somebody who's able to keep this country afloat. You know, it's interesting. I saw a quote the other day where Biden was blaming the Republicans for trying to wreak havoc on the American economy. The Republicans, they're the ones that are trying to make our economy a disaster. They're trying to ruin our economy. Well, guess what, genius? It's already ruined because of you. Like, <laughs> the fact that this guy, oh, I tell you this guy, he gets on and he he acts all big and tough. Oh, these Republicans want to see our country burn. Oh, those mega extremists. Oh, my goodness. Stop. Take a look at the economy. It's not a result of Republicans. Because guess what? For the first two years of the Biden administration, the Democrats controlled every single chamber of the Congress and the presidency. So guess what? You want to blame someone for the disastrous economy? Take a look in the mirror. Don't sit there and blame Republicans who just got in and Kevin McCarthy's trying to do the smart thing and say, hey, we have to negotiate a debt limit increase, but we're not going to do something stupid. We're not going to keep spending a reckless amount of money that's going to continue to screw our country over in the long run because, you know, it's it's famously stated that conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. Well, this uh, debt that we're continuing to go into, it is just delaying what's inevitably going to come. You see this in history. You Let's just look at an extreme example just for, uh, you know, an analogy, just for the sake of an analogy, but like the Civil War. They were doing different things all throughout to try and push off and push off and push off this inevitable reality that they were going to have to face that, oh, crap, we have to make a decision. We can't just be wishy-washy like we have been. And that's what we're going to have to do with our economy. We're going to have to say, hey, do we keep going into debt and spending all of this money and then leaving our kids and our grandkids and our great great, oh, great grandkids with all of this debt to pay where almost all of their tax money or at least half of their tax money is going to just pay off the interest on our debt. It's not even paying off the debt or working toward paying any of the debt itself. It's the interest on it. And just trying to pass all these bills where we're just going to spend, 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 uh, inevitably it's going to catch up to you. I know it won't catch up to you, Biden, because you'll be dead. I know it won't catch up to you, Kamala Harris, because you'll be dead. It might even, it might not even catch up to me by the time I'm gone. But somebody's going to have to face this eventually. Somebody's going to have to say, hold on, our economy is what? We've done what? We have ourselves in how much debt? What? And all of this, it just, it just makes me shake my head when Biden will get on there and he'll talk about, hey, these Republicans are trying to wreak havoc on our economy and they're trying to destroy democracy. No, we're trying to make smart decisions. We're trying to make it so, hey, guess what? I don't know if you've ever given this a thought, but maybe we're trying to make it so that down the road, whether that be in the near future or 
a little bit more of the distant future, we don't have a crisis so big that we're unable to overcome it. Why don't we slowly inch toward a solution? See, what Democrats like to do is they like to jump to all-or-nothing solutions. With the economy, it's just spend, spend, spend. We're not going to face this debt ever. We're just going to turn a blind eye to it. We don't really care. It's just, it's just money. And then you have them on the other extreme with climate change. We have to do this now. Our country is going to be destroyed in five years. We're all going to go and burn in hell because this world is going to catch on fire. And, and you know, they fear monger and fear monger and fear monger about how this is all going to happen in the blink of an eye. We're going to wake up one day and the earth is just going to be so hot. It's unlivable. Yet we have people with nuclear bombs that are able to wipe out an entire country with push of a button, or we have countries like ours who have so much debt that we can we can eventually all this debt just lead up to a financial collapse, the likes of which we've never seen before. And you just look at all these other issues. And it's like, why do you go all out on climate change, which, again, something that we can gradually inch toward solutions? Same thing with the economy. Why don't we just cut spending back a little bit each year? Stop spending money on stupid stuff to try and get your butt reelected, throwing legislation full of a bunch of pork barrel crap that's only meant. For you to say, ha ha, look what I've done, look what I've done, vote for me, vote for me, and to get you reelected so you can spend money on more stupid stuff instead of things that we actually need or cutting back our spending so we don't keep increasing and increasing our debt. Instead, we just spend recklessly on social programs. We punish people for having good credit. We give advantages to people who just go and blow their money. I mean, heck, what is the incentive to have good credit? For heaven's sakes, why would anybody in their right mind want to have good credit if when you go to get a mortgage, you have less fees and they make it easier for you to get these mortgages? What's the point? This is the whole question of socialism versus capitalism. If everybody's equal, if everybody gets the same pay, a doctor and a janitor, what would make somebody not just want to do the bare minimum, become a janitor? Why would somebody want to spend all this money on college and get themselves, uh, you know, eight years into debt? Oh, well, I guess we'll just forgive all of that. But what would make somebody want to spend eight years trying to become a doctor? And then when they become a doctor, they're making the same amount that the government gives them as the person that is working below them, the person that is cleaning the floors of their operating room. We already have a problem in this country of people who are lazy and don't want to work and call it what you want. You can call it, uh, you know, blame it on COVID, blame it on this, blame it on that. We do have lazy people. The people that you do see working most service level jobs hate their jobs. They act like they hate their life. 
I mean, I don't know if you've been in a restaurant lately. I can't tell you the last time I've been in any sort of a fast food restaurant or any joint like that. And the person that was taking my order or anything like that was actually pleasant in any way, shape, or form. Everybody just acts like they hate their job nowadays. Everybody just wants to be sitting at home doing nothing. And I understand that that's, that's a reality. Like, yes, people would rather be doing other things than at work, but there comes a point where it's like, hold on, we can't just do that. You also have to, you know, work. That's how you get your leisure is you work. But anyway, that was a big rant and that's kind of over now. I, you know, I kind of took a break, took a step back. I was realizing I was getting a little worked up over this and, you know, it is, it does kind of tick me off because some of the things that Biden does just makes me shake my head, especially the timing of it, just, you know, at a time when people are already warning of signs of the 2008 recession and then you go and and you try and make more policies that are just like those that happened right before the recession. Like a lot of these policies just don't make sense. They don't make sense in any other world unless you're living in Biden's world. And that's really what this segment is all about, is explaining why the different things that we see only make sense if you're living in Biden's world. Alrighty, folks. Well, that's going to do it for me for today's episode, but I'm going to end now with my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day that you've given us. I want to thank you for this opportunity for me to come on and speak to my listeners. And Lord, I, of course, just pray for our country. I pray that you give our leaders wisdom as they so desperately need it. Father, we love you. We adore you. And we strive to be more like you each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for sticking around until the end of another episode. If you guys enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the channel, maybe share the episode with your friends, and make sure to tune back in tomorrow for another episode. But until then, stay blessed.